Welcome to the Christian Business Concepts with your host, Harold Milby. Christian Business Concepts is dedicated to guiding companies and business owners in becoming effective, efficient, and successful through God's Word and godly principles. Now, here's your host, Harold Milby. Hey there, and thanks for downloading today's podcast. I hope and believe that you'll be enlightened and encouraged and empowered today by what you hear. I want you to know that I pray for you weekly, and I am just so humbled by how many of you are listening each week. So let's jump right in. Uh, You know, I want to talk to you today uh, about motivation and inspiration or motivation versus inspiration is is something that we do at work is it is it really more about motivation or is it more about inspiration you know when you think of your life you think of the times that you've been motivated to do something or or maybe you've been inspired and you know is there a difference well first of all let me say that there is a difference and there have been a lot of books that have been written about motivation. There's the five-minute motivation, I think, is a book that I've read a couple of times. And, uh, you know, there's other books as well. And, and many people who've written these books even can be confused about the difference between motivation and inspiration. They're really not the same thing. And in, in reality, they're, they're totally different. But I believe in, in the workplace, in the business, in your department, I think you need most uh, both. I think you need to know how to motivate people, but I also believe that you need to know how to inspire people. It's my sincere belief that a person who is motivated and inspired then puts in the labor to accomplish their goals or, or their task. I believe they'll be greatly satisfied in their work, and I and I think that they'll be I think that they'll be successful. And a person who merely puts in his time on the job, he's not happy. He's not satisfied. Uh, but you know, when when you're motivated and inspired, and you put that labor in there to get the job done, there's just a satisfying a satisfying feeling about that that helps us. I mean, you know, there are days that you you go to work and you struggle and, 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 you know, you have a tough day. But then there are days that you go and you get off work and you've got a smile on your face, uh, a lightness in your step, because you feel like you really accomplished something uh, that you were inspired or motivated to do. You know, according to Kelly Services, who's a big hiring company in in the uh, United States, according to Kelly Services, their annual survey of over 120,000 people who responded, that survey said that 48% of employees are unhappy in their current jobs. Now, think about that. That's almost half of the employees that are working a job every week are unhappy in their job. And I believe if they had been questioned a little bit further, I think you'd more than likely find out that that 48% lacked motivation and had no inspirational drive whatsoever. So let's talk about motivation first. The word motivation comes from a Latin word, mover, and it means to move. Uh, the word motive is derived from this word. You know, we get our word motive uh, from that word, and it's used to describe what moves us to action. Now, 
you know, when you when a, a police officer or a or a uh, investigator investigates a murder, uh, you know, a key piece of evidence that they use when they prosecute the case is motive, and what that is is what moved them to commit the murder. Our primary goal, I think, as a as a as a boss, as a leader, as a manager, as a business owner, our primary goal is motivating in in motivating others should be to help them reach their full potential and increase their level of performance. Now, I believe that it is one and two, and I believe that we we need to try to help them reach their full potential. That ought to be number one. And then number two, to increase their level of performance. That will come as a byproduct. I mean, there's a lot of great benefits. You know, when you you motivate people and you motivate people well, there's a lot of great um, benefits of that. Uh, Good time management. Uh, highly motivated people are, are, are really manage their time well. Uh, well, you know, you'll have higher productivity. Um, you'll have a greater retention rate. And right now, uh, in the United States, and I know around the world, but here in the United States, it's been really tough to to have um, a positive employee retention rate. Uh, you know, people come in, they'll work a day, they'll work a week, and then they and, and then you never see them again. We've we've seen people in our factories where they go, they come in, they start their job the very first day, they go to lunch, and they never come back. And so, when you can figure out how to motivate people, you'll keep people, you'll keep people because they'll be more uh, satisfied in what they do. It also increases in efficiency. Uh, you get a better work environment. That's that's huge, and that's one of the biggest reasons that people leave a job is because uh, they don't like the environment. So you, when you motivate people, you create a better environment. You get a better work quality. Uh, there's a greater confidence for those employees. You have goals that are reached. Uh, that person gets a healthy self-image, and they feel like they have purpose. Um they accept challenges. You know, when you when you properly motivate somebody, a lot of people, they'll rise to the occasion. I mean, they'll rise to the occasion and they'll accept those challenges. Um, you know, they'll, you'll be able to or they'll be able to overcome adversity and problems because they're motivated. They're going to be more persistent uh, when when they're motivated and they're begun, going to uh, be more energized you know, they're going to have more energy. They're going to put a lot more into it. And I believe that it'll cre- create more passion for what they're doing uh, when they're motivated. Now, there are basically, there's two forms of motivation as we look at these today. The first one is intrinsic motivation. Now, intrinsic motivation, it fulfills an internal kind of a, uh, lack of a better word, a, a, an internal satisfaction. A person who does something because they kind of find it rewarding. Now, that's an example of an intrinsic motivation. Uh, You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24, it says, Let us consider one another to provoke one another unto love and to good works. That word provoke, uh, you you could interchange the word 
uh, to motivate to motivate people unto love and to good works. So the Bible has a lot to say about motivating people uh, for for work and motivating people to do the right thing. You know, having fun can motivate people. You know, you can turn things that are not fun, turn it into something fun, and it'll turn around and motivate people to do those things or do the right thing. You know, there there was a city in the Netherlands and they had a problem with garbage and litter and 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 you know the sanit the sanitation department they tried to to they they doubled the littering fine uh, you know they had more people patrolling the area and looking for people who were littering but none of that changed really the habits of people uh, then somebody in the department who should have been uh, <laughs> should have been promoted uh, someone then in that department, they suggested that instead of punishing those who littered, that they could reward people who put garbage in the trash cans, right? So they devised this plan. Uh, they didn't think that they could, you know, put coins and dispense coins out. They didn't think that was the idea. But this is what they did. As they sat around this, this room and they had these ideas, they finally come up with this idea that the sanitation department developed this special trash can that played a recording of a joke when you put trash in the trash can. So you had different cans, and they all played different kinds of jokes, and the recordings that they had, they changed like every two weeks. So the people in that community, they'd go out of their way to put garbage in trash cans uh, because they wanted to hear the jokes. And so it really had an impact in a very short period of time. The streets were clean again. They, they weren't having the issues with the uh, litter and everything in the city. So, you know, sometimes just purely having fun, uh, which is a, an intrinsic motivation, just having fun can cause you uh, to be motivated to do something. Then you have what's called the extrinsic motivation. Now, extrinsic motivation is an outward, more of an outward cause and effect. In other words, you know, if per, a person does something based on a reward uh, or, their, or they change their behavior uh, to f- avoid some kind of a punishment. Now, here's a good example of that uh, is that in the U.S., uh, you can't smoke on airplanes, and if you don't obey this rule, you can be fined up to $15,000 per event, and you can be imprisoned, and you can be banned from ever uh, flying commercially again. So it's important that you understand the differences of motivation. You can motivate people by fear, or you can motiva- uh, motivate people out of respect. Now, in the business community, it used to be that people were motivated by uh, fear. You know, you either do this or you won't have a job. Well, you know, people are more intelligent than that. I, I mean, people have learned, and that's not a motivating factor. But there are still extrinsic, uh, in, uh, extrinsic motivation, uh, these outward causes and effects that we can still utilize when we motivate people, but they're just in a more positive manner. You know, a great example of intrinsic uh, motivation is uh, when J.P. Morgan, he bought Andrew Carnegie's steel company, and then he changed the name to U.S. Steel. And one of the obligations that J.P. Morgan wound up with when he bought uh, the steel company 
was he had an employee contract that he agreed to pay to a top executive by the name of Charles Schwab. Now, a lot of you've heard of uh, Charles Schwab Investments. Well, that's kind of where that came from. And uh, this contract was a million dollars a year. So he had to take on this contract when he bought uh, Andrew Carnegie Steel Company. And it was a million dollars a year contract to Charles Schwab. So now, now if you want to understand how much money that is today, the average exec- executive salary in 1901 was $100,000 a year. That was average. He was making a million, 10 times. So J.P. Morgan met with Charles Schwab right after the per- uh, purchase. He was kind of hoping to renegotiate you know, that deal. He didn't really want to pay him a million dollars a year. It's a lot of money. Uh, and so he thought, you know, maybe he could get something done about it, right? So he thought he'd meet with him. So uh, when he walked into the into the, his office while and, and Mr. Schraub was there waiting for him, uh, he said, "Hey, is there anything we can do about this contract?" And he took that contract out of J.P. Morgan's hand. And he tore it up. And when word got out, uh, you know, it was pretty newsworthy, obviously. And Forbes magazine at the time uh, quoted uh, Schwab as saying this, and I think this is what I wanted to get to. He said this. He said, I didn't care what salary they paid me. I was not animated by money motives. I believed in what I was trying to do, and I wanted to see it brought about. I canceled that contract without a moment's hesitation. Why do I work? I work for just the pleasure I find in work. The satisfaction that there is in developing things, in creating things. Also, the associations uh, that I have through this business. The person who does not work for the love of work, but only for money, is not likely to make money nor find much fun in life. So this story kind of illustrates the importance of motivation. But not only that, but the fact that each person may be motivated by completely different things, either intrinsically or extrinsically. So if, you, if you've studied anything, and I encourage you to kind of maybe study this a little bit, but there's uh, Abraham Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And he suggests that there are several factors involved in the psychology of what motivates people. And these motivating factors are based upon certain needs that we have in our life. And once these needs are met uh, and and these needs are broken down by type, he he further believes that people are motivated to have the most basic of these needs met first before they move to the next category. And so if you could picture in your mind a a pyramid, uh, then... Uh, and, and, and Maslow never really had a pyramid, but I think it illustrates it pretty well. Uh, you have this hierarchical uh, hierarchy of needs. So physiological is at the bottom of the pyramid. It is the broadest and, and, and the first thing that people want met in their life, the needs that they want met. So that's like breathing. It's, it's food. It's water. It's sex. It's sleep. Uh, homeostasis. It's excre- I mean, it's all of this, the basic physical needs. And so we're ma- motivated in our lives to make sure that those basic needs are met, right? Then the next level is that security of the body, uh, employment, uh, resources of, of morality, maybe the church, 
maybe our relationship with Christ or our, our other things, or maybe family, our health, our property. So we, you know, we want that safety. And then the next thing, as the pyramid continues to get smaller and smaller, we, we get into this place of, of the love of belonging, right? Friendship, uh, family, intimacy, you know, those are needs that we, we want met, but not before the, the other ones have been met. The, this is something as we go up this, this hierarchy of needs, according to Maslow, you know, we want to have those met first. And then, and then the next level before the very top of the pyramid is you have esteem. You have your self-esteem, your confidence, your achievement, um, you know, respect of other people, respect for other people. And, and those are things that are motivating are things that we're motivated to have and to, to get, right? And then at the top of the pyramid, we get into something that's a lot more personal. We get into morality. We get into creativity, um, problem solving, uh, lack of, uh, of prejudice, education, spontaneity. Then you know these are at the top of the pyramid, but the things at the, at the bottom of the pyramid, is is where we start. And you know, when we talk about motivating or motivation, you know, Jesus to me was one of the best motivators. Now, he was an, an inspirational leader too, but he knew how to motivate. You know, so you know, Jesus first, he was particular. He didn't try to motivate everybody, but he was very particular as to who he reached out to motivate. Because let's be honest, there's some people you cannot motivate. I don't care what you do, you can't motivate certain people. And Jesus knew the people that could be motivated. So he was very particular. Uh, Jesus was also very personal when he motivated people. He didn't have a cookie-cutter approach. He didn't do it the same way with all people. He actually met people where they were. You know, it was a personal thing to that person when Jesus spoke to them, ministered to them, and motivated them. It was a very personal thing. You think about the woman at the well. You know, she'd been married multiple times, um, you know, and Jesus already knew that. But he met her where she was. She didn't try to say, you meet me where I'm at. You come to my level, and then I have something for you. No, Jesus operated on their level when it comes to ministering to them and motivating them. Uh, Jesus also provoked. You know, he challenged people's beliefs. He challenged their actions. He challenged their personal motivations. I mean, Jesus challenged these things. I mean, who can forget? And, and, and here's the thing. Even with Jesus, there were times he tried to motivate people, and it didn't motivate them. So, you know, even though you try to do things correctly, it doesn't mean that it's going to turn out exactly the way that you'd hope because there was the one rich young ruler who came to Jesus and he said, Jesus, I've do all these things, been doing all these things since I was little. And Jesus said, hey, have you done this? Have you done that? Oh, yeah, I've done all these things. And then Jesus goes one step further and he challenges his beliefs and his motivations when he says, okay, why don't you go sell everything that you have and then come and follow me? And the rich young ruler, the Bible says, walked away. He walked away in discouragement and disappointment because he didn't want to sell what he had. He didn't want to get rid of his wealth and follow Jesus. And so, therefore, he was not able uh, to motivate that man. Uh, and the other thing is Jesus was a pattern. He was the pattern. He was the example. 
The Bible says that he, you know, that Jesus spoke and he says, I do what the, what I see my father do. And I say what I hear my father say. And people became motivated to do what Jesus did and what, and say what Jesus said, because he did the same thing in front of them. He lived that he was the example and so when you live as an example, it makes it easier for you to motivate other people. So just, you know, just kind of keep that in mind. Jesus was particular, he was personal, he provoked, and he was a pattern. So as we move forward, when we're talking about motivation, uh, just to understand that. Uh, you know, also there was a uh, clinical psychologist, his name was uh, Frederick uh, Herzberg, and uh, he lived to uh, 1923 or so up to around the early 2000s. And, you know, people recognize him as kind of the foremost authority on workplace motivation. And he kind of broke down workplace motivation into some things that actually motivated us, or he called them motivators. And things that could demotivate us are, are those things that demoted, uh, demotivated us had to be maintained in order for the motivators to work, to be effective, right? So he had these things like, like for example, a person's security or their relationship with their subordinates or their salary, uh, their relationship with their supervisor, uh, certain company policies and administration and work conditions. All of these things were kind of maintenance. These were things that, that had to be um, within that person that had to feel like that those were maintained in order to be motivated uh, to do other things or to be motivated with these motivators, as he called them. And uh, so some of the, uh, uh, you know, uh, motivators uh, were like achievement. You know, people are motivated when they achieve or recognition, uh, work itself, um, responsibility, being able to be given responsibility. You'll be surprised how many people get motivated by, get being, by being given responsibility or advancement, uh, even, even, personal, even personal growth. I mean, when you think about it, the, the, uh, a leader really can't motivate anybody. Now, now listen to what I'm going to say. They really can't motivate anybody. The only thing that a person can do is increase or decrease an employee's motivation. In order to increase their motivation, we've got to remove those roadblocks that hinder a person uh, from allowing these motivators, as I just mentioned, to 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 be a, a more of a positive, you know, to be more of a positive effect. Right? For example, if a person feels like they don't have any job security, then recognition is not going to be much of a motivating factor for that person. So you have to have the job or job security before recognition can have a positive effect, right? So that is is really important. So what do, what do we got to do? Well, you got to eliminate these demotivating factors, right? Overwork, uh, poor leadership, poor communication is a huge demotivating factor. Um, no employee development opportunities. If you don't feel like there's opportunities for growth and development, you know, it's demotivating. Uh, unresolved conflict is huge. You know, pretend it's not there and it'll go away. Never happens that way. It's demotivating when you have unresolved conflict. Uh, feeling undervalued. If you feel like you're being undervalued. 
So what are some of these motivating acting, uh, uh, actions, we'll call them? Um, verbally recognize their work. You know, that's one thing that we try to, to preach to management within our company is that you as a supervisor, you as a manager, you have a great opportunity. And when you recognize people's work verbally, it really has a great, it goes a long way in motivating people. Uh, praise their performance when it's warranted. Don't just go around passing out praises to people, but when they really do a good job, say it. Let them know it. Let them know you recognize it. Uh, give them opportunities for growth. Uh, give them authority. Give them freedom to act. I tell our sales team all the time, look, you don't have to call me and ask me about a deal. Make the deal. You're there. You're in front of the client. I'm not in front of the client. Don't say, well, I got to call you know, the vice president and, and talk to him. Don't, don't do that. Just make the deal. What's the worst thing that can happen? You make one bad deal. So you make a bad deal. We'll talk about it. We'll move on and you learn. But I wanted them to have and I want them to have um, that authority and freedom to act. Then give them a sense of belonging. Uh, challenge them. You know, challenge those people. Challenge them to do better. Challenge them to do more. Challenge them. Uh, you know, Henry Ford did that when he asked them to develop an eight-cylinder uh, engine. They told him it couldn't be done. But he challenged them, and they did. They developed an eight-cylinder, the V8, uh, because of his uh, challenging and motivating his uh, engineers. Be fair. Be an active listener. Listen to what your employees are saying to you. Uh, communicate and then share uh, really important information. That's huge. That's very important. Uh, be authentic. Uh, be patient. And be available. You know, those are some really important things uh, with regards uh, to motivating and motivation. So I wanted to kind of get this started today. And, and next, the next podcast, we'll, we'll talk about inspiration. And uh, we'll talk about those uh, and how they're, how they're different. Uh, so today, I'm just thankful that you listen to the podcast. I'm so glad that you guys do. And I hope you'll write a, uh, uh, you know, a nice uh, review uh, if, you, if this has been a blessing to you. Uh, but uh, I want to pray with you today, as I always like to do. Lord, I thank you right now for those that have listened to today's, to today's podcast. Lord, I thank you for it. I pray, God, that they would be ministered to. I pray today, God, that you would strengthen them and help them through this day, Lord. Help them in their business. Help them in their business department. Help them in their organization. Lord, help them to learn how to be a positive motivator in their in their department or in their business. Lord, help them to be uh, a person who can motivate others uh, to grow, to motivate others to be a better person, to motivate others uh, uh, to be stronger and, and to be encouraged. And Lord, I thank you that you encourage them and that you strengthen them, Lord. Help them to motivate themselves as well, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you. We give you glory and honor in the name of Jesus. Again, thanks for tuning in, and uh, be sure that you download next week's podcast as we continue this, uh, uh, this discussion. And uh, remember, like I always like to say, Jesus is Lord. 